0: Hey everybody, I'm David Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome to Don't Miss This. Halfway through our summer of heroes. That
1: is so crazy.
0: Halfway through the book, I bet, Yeah. Because right? Are we? Aren't we? It's month six or something, yeah. yeah. So crazy. Um, I was just thinking before we started, I was like, oh, sometimes I start getting so excited for the next book of scripture, that, you know, like the yes. next year that's coming yeah. or whatever. But I'm still in this, y'all. The Old Testament is so awesome. We've been looking forward to it so much. If you're new, we move through um, chapters of the Old Testament in little chunks following the Come Follow Me curriculum. And uh, we are in the middle of what we call the Summer of Heroes because we're focusing on 44 heroes throughout. So if you hear us talking about that, you'll know why now. And you can go back to a newsletter, our newsletter, or previous video to figure more out about that. Here's the timeline.
1: Okay, there's so much going on. Do not get overwhelmed right now. This is where the timeline is going to start getting spicy.
0: Right. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. So you remember we've had our three united kings of Israel. Saul, and we saw his, like, ark, you know, his rise to power and downfall. David, we saw his. And then we ended last time with Solomon, who began his reign as king, asking for an understanding heart. And you just wish he would have held on to that. Listen, we have to tell a sad story about him in just a second. So here's the pieces that you're going to put on. Okay. After Solomon, the united kingdom of Israel, remember David unites the whole kingdom together. um, They are going to divide. And so you're going to put these two pieces on, which are the northern kingdom and all of the tribes that with the northern kingdom are listed on there. And then the Southern kingdom. And we'll talk about what those numbers mean on there in just a second. And then you're going to put this little guy up, which is Kings and Chronicles. And you're going to put it right there because that's where these stories are kind of like what... The stories are happening right here. We'll explain in just a second. I was about to go into too much detail, but we'll get to it. And then you're going to put up our guy, Elijah, and he goes right here, all in spot 27. He is a prophet that we're going to meet today in here. And we'll explain how all this moves together. And if you're
1: getting nervous because now we've started missing some spaces, this is when the board's going to start getting fun, because now we're going to watch the Northern Kingdom. They're going to be right here. We're going to watch the Southern Kingdom is going to come down here. Pretty soon, the Book of Mormon is going to start happening at the same time. So we're going to be watching all of that and we're going to get all the way down and then the Bible is going to start over. We're actually going to come clear back up to here and start coming through and filling in more things as we go. So you want to be all caught up this week so that you can watch what is about to happen.
0: Okay, got it? Yeah,
1: so fun.
0: You can see that pic? If you're watching on the podcast, you have to open up YouTube and see. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what's the easiest way to, um, to do this? Okay, we the chapters for today are 1 Kings 17 through 19. We are going to back up a little bit because we were supposed to do 1 Kings 11 last time, but the manual is not the boss of us. So we, just kidding. We wanted to end that one kind of on a really good note with Solomon, instead of ending in sort of the downfall of Solomon, just like Saul and just like David, they both start out so good and they don't hold on to that, which really is convicting. Every time I read their stories, I'm just like, oh, you know, like it's really easy to... It's really easy to look at them and be like, why didn't you not hold on to that? And also really easy to see, it's almost like the writers of this are like, check your heart, you know, like continually check your heart. Um, So we're gonna start with kind of what happens here. So Solomon is a leader and he starts off like his dad, David, following the commandments of the Lord. He builds the temple, they dedicate it. Then he starts in chapter 11 to tax everybody. And really, really heavily. And he starts to marry a bunch of wives for political alliances. And when he marries these wives, he builds them lavish temples and palaces. And he introduces into Israel the worship of the, the gods of these wives' nations. So the Egyptian gods are coming in and the gods of Assyria are coming in. And the people are paying really, really heavy taxes to these women's um palaces in there and their temples to the false gods and everything and so it really is going to turn into uh, a disaster the opening line here on the the journal is a blank heart led to a blank kingdom and the word there is divided Solomon's divided heart remember we read last week about the mighty men of valor that they did not have two hearts was that the line um no they were not double-hearted yeah
1: they were not of a double heart.
0: They were not of a double heart. Well, Solomon was. And part of his heart was dedicated to the Lord. And part of his heart was dedicated to political alliances and the growing of his kingdom. And so what you see happen is the kingdom is actually going to split right here. Um, it starts, the little splitting story starts with something we call the 10-piece prophecy in chapter 11. Chapter 11 has a lot of focus on Solomon and these other wives and palaces and stuff. But um, in this chapter, you meet a guy whose name is Jeroboam. Now, Solomon has a son whose name is Rehoboam. If you want to follow in right here in the journal, you could just follow this little time. I mean, what do you call that? Family tree. David, then Solomon, and then he has a son named Rehoboam. And it just so happens there's another guy named Jeroboam who's going to come into the story. And he's walking along one day in chapter 11 and the prophet comes up to him in verse 29 and he actually tears his new coat. He says he's wearing a new coat and he comes up and he tears it into 12 different pieces. Um, Sometimes... In those days, you gave prophecies in a different way by tearing people's that <laughs>
1: new would be clothes. Exciting. You wouldn't forget it.
0: No, could you imagine in conference if President Nelson walked up to like Elder Holland's coat and rips it? He says, "I have a prophecy." <laughs> it would be so good. We
1: all talk about it for decades. <laughs> Remember that one time? Yeah,
0: look at us. We're still talking about yeah. this one. So it's impactful. Rips up into twelve pieces that represent the twelve tribes. And he actually takes 10 of them and gives them over to Jeroboam. And the kingdom is supposed to go into Rehoboam's hand, Solomon's son. But he makes a prophecy to him. And he just says to him in verse 38
1: to Jeroboam,
0: to Jeroboam. The prophecy is, if thou will hearken unto all that I command thee and will walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight. This is the Lord speaking. Keep my statutes and my commandments as David, my servant did. I will be with thee and I will build thee a sure house as I built for David. And I will give Israel unto thee. We put a little space in the box right there for the word if, because that seems to be the most important word in all of the promises that are made to these people. I heard someone once say you could put the word if on the top of a patriarchal blessing, Mm. right? That if you... hand your life over to me, I can make great things of it. Otherwise you're left to figuring out life on your own and people aren't that good at lives, you know? (laughs) So that's the prophecy is this, you have this chance to be a great leader, spiritual and political leader for the house of Israel. You have a chance to unite these 10 tribes, to do the work of Abraham that they were called to do and to be, um, to be a peculiar nation of priests and priestesses, a holy people, this is this is your chance to be a leader over these people. And he's so pumped about it. So what happens for the actual split is, Rehoboam goes to all the people and he says, remember that was a prophecy, right? So then you get Rehoboam going to the people and he says, my dad used to tax you like crazy. Um, And they are like, please don't do that anymore. Please don't do what your dad did at the end of his life. So he goes and gets advice from the wise old men of the city. And uh, they sit down, kind of like that wise woman, and counsel together. And they're like, you should not do what your dad did. You should lower those taxes. Then he goes to his buddies at the frat party. And he's just like, what do y'all think I should do? And they're just like, tax him double, right? And they encourage him to like... Man, make it even worse, build bigger palaces. You're the king. And so he goes back to the people and follows his friend's advice. And that's what causes 10 of the tribes to rebel. So 10 of the tribes rebel against Rehoboam and they become a um, a different kingdom. So now you have the 12 tribes that were united who split into 10 tribes up north. We're gonna call that the Northern Kingdom also called Israel, and then two tribes down south are called the southern kingdom or sometimes called Judah, and that includes the tribes of Judah and Benjamin.
1: And let's just show on the timeline while you're doing that. Oh yeah, because okay. I think that will be helpful. So on here, so now we add the fight and Jeroboam is going to go up with the northern kingdom, 10 tribes. Okay, They're going to live up here. And... Rehoboam, Rehoboam is going to go down with the Southern kingdom. And this will be Judah, Israel, Judah.
0: Yeah, that's right. They're going
1: to have their own Kings and their own prophets. That's what's going to happen.
0: Okay. So this is actually where the prophets come in that you get at the end of the book, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Obadiah, Nahum, <laughs> we're playing like we're playing Family Feud right now with the prophets, um, and they all are sent by the Lord to particular kings um, and particular kingdoms at different times. So you're kind of watching Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom happen together, and the prophets are being sent to those kings to remind them of like of of that ten piece prophecy essentially. Like if you follow the statutes of the Lord you'll find success and blessing in the kingdom.
1: So if you have the tip-ins, this is gonna help you keep everybody straight because you're gonna have the kingdom of Israel. Here's Jeroboam, who we're talking about. Here's gonna be all of their kings. Um, It tells you if they were good or bad. Israel had a really hard time. Judah, (laughs) here's Rehoboam. It's gonna start right there. And then here's gonna be all of theirs. Within all these kings, different kings, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, will be the prophets that come in and out of those kingdoms.
0: Yeah, so let's finish the split between them. When the two split, you have two kings now, two different kingdoms, two capital cities, two entirely different stories, although they'll interact with each other. But the problem is there's only one temple, and the temple's in Jerusalem, which is in the southern kingdom. So Jeroboam, who is this man of great promise, is told, man, if you will just follow the Lord, he gets nervous about the fact that the temples in the Southern kingdom, and he thinks everybody's going to go down and worship in the, at the temple in the Southern kingdom. And then they're going to fall in love with being there. And they're going to fall in love with Rehoboam and they're going to leave. They're going to defect the Northern kingdom. And then I won't have as much power influence anymore. And so what he ends up doing is building two different new temples in the Northern kingdom to replace the temple in the southern kingdom. And he actually puts in those places golden calves. And so the connection to these false gods that they worshipped when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, there's so many strong connections there with it. And he says this to the people. This is in 1 Kings chapter 12, and the verses in 28, and it says, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your new gods, O Israel. And he really uh, like plays into the laziness of the human spirit and just tells them that is too much for you to, to go up to Jerusalem. Why don't you just stay here instead? And, and some people do and, and and some people don't. But man, every time I read this, it makes me want to ask that question. Is it too much for me? to go up to Jerusalem you know is the is the lord worth the journey yeah, or in other 100%. words so now now the northern kingdom and southern kingdom are on on track to 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 waste themselves away. They both have introduced the worship of these false gods and idols into their, into their, um, kingdoms. And you're going to watch the downfall. Yeah. We're just going to watch
1: that journey of both. And in the midst of the journey, we're going to watch different kings and different prophets who try to intercede, um, all the way until the end, the end of both. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so Now it focuses in on a particular prophet who was a prophet to the northern kingdom, who you know, his name is Elijah. So in 1 Kings 17, we're now focused on northern kingdom stories. And the king's name is Ahab. And he has this horrible wife whose name is Jezebel, who brings with her the worship of of these other... Gods into her nation, and we should just make this really clear that when we talk about the bringing in the worship of other gods, we're not talking about different religions. There's no problem with that. They are bringing in a pagan worship that includes child sacrifice and ritual prostitution, and just like it is an, they're awful evil practices that they bring in too. And Jezebel brings those in, and so the Lord sends Elijah the prophet to try and correct the problem.
1: And just so you know, Jezebel single-handedly will bring down the kingdom of Israel.
0: That's what the Bible dictionary says about her. You don't want that to be said about yeah. you.
1: <laughs> she is so wicked.
0: And I really did. Never mind. I shouldn't tell that part. About
1: it. <laughs> I, you really do. Elijah is up against a powerful force. And so what happens is he seals the heavens. Um, So that there is going to be a famine in the land because he's like, maybe this will work. Maybe this will change everybody's hearts. Maybe this will bring everyone back. And I think it's so interesting that when Elijah seals the heavens, that's not just painful for everyone else. It is also painful for him. Yeah. He has to live in the midst of this. No dew, no rain, nothing. And... So it comes, um,
0: which is quite symbolic. I was just thinking about what you were teaching on Mount Carmel when yeah. we were in Israel. That you remember, rain is a symbol of water is a symbol of the presence of God, of the revelations of God, of the pr- direction of God. And so the fact that like there's a famine is not so much about the fact that it's like oh now our crops are going to die. It's symbolic of
1: God's not speaking to anyone. Well,
0: b- because no one's listening. Yeah, no one's listening. Yeah.
1: Um, except for Elijah. And so um, after a while, the brook that Elijah is kind of existing by dries up. He, he's able to eat ravens and he's oh. been by this brook.
0: The ravens bring him the food. Oh, the
1: but, ra- <laughs> bring him the food.
0: <laughs> which I don't know which one's grosser. <laughs> And maybe he ate them. Okay, like, I should take it. He, no, he, he, he may have eaten, eaten them. the food. Um,
1: <laughs> there were ravens who somehow he ate and there was a brook that he drank out of. And, um, and then the brook dries up. So the Lord comes to him and says, get up and go to Zarephath. And I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So he gets up and he goes, and he comes to the gate of the city, and there is this widow gathering sticks, which I'm so intrigued by this whole thing, because somehow it it makes it sound like the Lord has already told the widow, you're going to have to take care of this prophet, but we're about to get introduced to how dire her situation is. And how many days before did the Lord say, I need you to feed the prophet? Has she been just so carefully watching that meal? uh, You know, she's like, I have been given this responsibility, but I have this much to offer. Yeah. Um, And so she's out gathering these sticks and he calls to her and says, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she just goes to fetch it. And then I love that. In the middle of her going, in the middle of her being obedient, he's like, oh, and um, could you also bring me a morsel of bread in your hand back with you? And she says to him, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. All I have left is a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And I'm gathering two sticks so I can go in This is going to be our last meal, mine and my son's last meal. And then we will die. That's how dire their situation is. And Elijah just says again to her um, there, which is so interesting that like, he could have been like, what? This doesn't make sense. This this is not what the Lord told me. This is not how I had pictured this would go. Hmm. Right. He doesn't even engage in that. I love that. He's like, don't, don't worry. Fear not. Just go and do like you said you were going to, but... Make me thereof a little cake first. And one of the things that strikes me every time I read this is the obedience he's asking of her is hard. Hmm. He's asking her a really hard thing to be obedient to. And it is going to take everything she has in order to be obedient in that moment.
0: And I thought for the first time also how difficult that was for Elijah to be the mouthpiece of that request, you know, to, you know,
1: yeah, I have written in my scriptures right here. What does Elijah think in this story? When he's like, you feed me first, then you go back in and whatever you have left feed you and your son. And she's like, yeah, but this is all I have. Yeah. Like I don't even have enough for one cake. She told him. And then he's like, I just want you to do exactly what I said. Make mine first, then go back in for you and your son. And then he says this to her in that moment, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of mill shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail. That is the promise he gives her as, as she walks into that little bit. And I'm so interested. There are so many things about this that I'm interested in because she doesn't know him. She's been told he was going to come, but she doesn't know him. And if you're going to choose over saving the life of a strange man who just showed up or your son, what do you choose in that moment? And when he says, make mine first, how does she know it's not going to fail? How does she know? Yeah. And her obedience is what is going to precede the miracle, which Hmm. I think is so interesting but also I have this written in my scriptures. Don't you think the two things that they are gonna work with right here, what does she have to work with is um, oil and bread, right? She's gonna make bread. And in my mind, I just think of this. It's two things that represent Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He is the bread of life. And when you think about that oil, he is the anointed one. And I love when the prophet says to her, the, the barrel of mill shall not waste. Neither shall the crews of oil fail." Like Jesus Christ will not fail you. Yeah. That's what it feels like. He's saying to her in that moment is, um, you, you just be obedient and what will happen is your needs will be taken care of through the Lord. That's what's going to happen. And
0: Well, and it's, it's just that it's a paradox you find in scripture over and over again, right? Lose your life. And that is actually how you find it. Yes. You know, where you're just like, give this up and then you'll find abundance. And it's like the math doesn't make sense, you know?
1: Yes. And I love that in verse 15, we just have these four words and she went and did. That's what makes her a hero to me. This is our first hero for this week is she went and did. Even though it didn't make sense, even though the math didn't add up, even though when she looked at it, she's like, I don't think you're right. How many times do you want to say to the prophet, I don't think you're right right now. I I don't know if this is going to work. And how hard is it to just be like, but I will be obedient and trust that the Lord will not fail me if I do what you tell me to do in the order you tell me to do that. Like how much trust does that take? How much faith does that take? And, And maybe your problem isn't a handful of flour, but it's something, right? We all have that thing that how do we get to the point where we can be obedient so the miracle can actually come to fruition. And I love that she went and did according to the saying of Elijah and she and he and her house Did eat many days. Who loves to that he doesn't leave? That he's just like this is my place now. This is better than the brook and the ravens. Whatever was happening (laughs) with the ravens, Um, but that he um, just stays there with her in that place and with her son. And the barrel of mill wasted not, neither did the crews of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elisha. And I love that. It's just a simple story. This little hero moment of those four words. She went and did. I want to be that woman. Yeah. When the prophet calls something to me, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't compute, even if I'm like, I don't think you're right. I just, I want to, she went and did. That's who I want to be.
0: And you're, and you're tying two principles together that I think are intended to be tied together. Um, the, the temple ties them together. The principles of obedience and sacrifice mm. together. Because it, often the sacrifice that we're making is often in response to something that we're being obedient to. Yeah. It's not like an arbitrary sacrifice, but rather like, oh, this obedience is going to actually require me. To sacrifice. to sacrifice. To give something up.
1: And obedience so often precedes the miracle.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, so good.
0: Yeah. You, and, and you have that story that comes right after that ha- happens, which is like, even like you're like, you have this great miracle that happens and then the son ends up dying right after. And you're mm-hmm. just kind of like... Wait a second. Why did
1: you save him with the mill in the first place? Right,
0: right. And she asks Elijah a question. She says, "Um, did you, um, did you, are you punishing me for my sins? Did you let my son die because of my sins? Which is such like a, like an, like a, every time I read that question, I want to respond back to her when she says, you know, "Did, did my son die because of my sins? Like that God could say back, no. My son will die because of your sins. That the God who's asking obedience and the God who's asking for sacrifice is one who lives those Mm. principles. And that son lives again, which is, there's so much Jesus in that story too. It's so
1: fun and I love because he will raise that boy from the dead. And I do love in um, 24 when it says, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God. And I love. It's not new faith that she gets in that moment, but it's just faith reaffirmed.
0: Yeah, renewed faith. Yeah, it's
1: renewed. And I, I love the thought that that will be true for us. Like she experienced the miracle and we will too. But one miracle will never be enough to sustain faith. And our God is a God of constant miracles. He's a God of tender mercy. He's a God of showing up over and over again. And I love that when when she's like now by this i know i hope i say that every year yeah. i hope i say it several times a year now by this i know and hopefully in 3 months i'll be like and also by this mm. i know and that's reaffirmed faith and and we should be living in that type of faith that is just constantly being reaffirmed because we're constantly being obedient and sacrificing and experiencing his ham.
0: Yeah. And it's it's crazy to think I, I love looking at the story and thinking there was a famine in that whole land, and then you could say, except for in her house. Mm. Right? And it's because it was a house of faith, obedience, yeah. sacrifice, and a house of a house of God.
1: Yeah, that's so good.
0: So that story is just part of the famine. Well the famine goes on, and then you get this really famous story that happens in first Kings eighteen, where finally Um, Elijah has a a face to face with King Ahab and he he just says like, listen, we have got to like solve this, right? The whole kingdom is, is, is suffering because of the way you're leading them astray. And he asks this question in verse 21 in there. And he asks everybody, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord, or remember when it says, it's talking about if Jehovah be God, follow him. But if Baal, is God, follow him, right? The, the, the worship that um, Ahab and Jezebel introduced. It's like, we, let's just pick one. <laughs> like, which one are we going to follow and which one are we going to obey? And sets up a showdown on top of Mount Carmel between um, uh, the Lord and Baal. And, and he says, let's set up this altar and we'll put a, a, a sacrifice on it. And whichever God can send down fire from heaven, that should be the God that we worship from now on. So he brings all of these prophets of Baal up to the mountain and he's up there and he says, you go first.
1: And I love to in that, in 1 Kings 18, 22, Elijah says to the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the God of Jehovah, I, even I only, and then 450 prophets show up of, uh, Bob and, and they're going to have this showdown and who loves like the odds are so not in his favor in that moment. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I, even I only.
0: Yeah. And left. 1V450, yeah. right? So they're up there and he says, you go first. And they set up this altar and then they dance and they bl- bl- everything that they do to try and call down fire from heaven and nothing. And you love this chat because Elijah is a little bit sassy with them when he's like, maybe you should talk louder. I don't think he can hear you. Maybe you should speak up. Maybe he's on an errand. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Uh, maybe, you know, as they're like doing this. And
1: <laughs> You
0: just by himself up there. <laughs> While they're just doing all this stuff and finally it's his turn and you may know the story. It's so awesome. He puts an altar up of twelve stones that represent the twelve tribes and And isn't that interesting that he does that even though the kingdoms are divided that he's just like he still does this 12 stones um, and and he sets that up and then he takes the uh, sacrifice and he puts on and he says fill up four barrels full of water and I want you to douse the altar and the sacrifice with it and then he's like do it again do it again do it again and now there's 16 barrels of water just dousing this thing it's just soaked right and then at the time of the evening sacrifice now this is Really, really interesting, the timing of it, because it's a a connection to the sacrifice that's offered in the temple, which is um, tying together and reminding you that, oh, hold on. Sacrifice reminds me of Jesus when I am in, you know, whenever I'm reading stories of sacrifice, I want to remember that it's a symbol for Jesus. And he calls out in 37 and he says, um, Hear me, O Lord. Oh, but his verse, I forgot to do his verse right here in verse 24, where he just says, you know, here's the uh, choice. You can either choose or choose. And he says, I am going to call upon the name of the Lord. That's another way of saying, as for me in my house, you know, we will worship the Lord. And he calls upon the name of the Lord and Fire. <laughs> like comes down from heaven it licks up all the water it's so hot it burns up the stones from the altar and the sacrifices that are on it and everything is is just consumed in this like dramatic display and when i read this story i think to myself which god are you going to pick one <laughs> that is Sleeping or ignoring you or on an errand or one who will lick up the water and the stones and, and fire down from from heaven. This story is is clear in saying you want to worship a God who can do anything, anytime, anywhere. A God of miracles for sure. That is why you want to pick following the Lord. But it also lays out really clearly he's not only a God of all power but he is a God of sacrifice, Mm. right? There's a symbol on that mountain of the sacrifice that Jesus will offer, that he'll offer up himself. And you not only want to follow an all powerful God, but you want to follow an all devoted God an all loving God, a God who's willing to lay himself down upon the altar so that your oil and meal never fail, right? So that you can experience living water and, um, those two lessons are the ones he lays out when he asks, who are you going to, to pick? And he's our second hero, Elijah. And we love the lesson that we learned from him that he's like, I'm going to call on the Lord in times of famine, in times of problem, in times of choice, I'm going to be the one. I, even only I, um, even if it's 450 verses one, I'm going to choose the Lord.
1: Yeah. And you love um, as he, you'd think coming off that moment, he would mm. be like, have so much like self-confidence and whatever. And, and he does, he turns around and says to Ahab in verse 41, get you, get up and eat and drink because there is a sound of an abundance of rain. And you, you feel like there is this moment of like, I, we have won, this. we yes. won. And then it, the next verse, right after that in 42 says, so Ahab went up to eat and to drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he's like, <laughs> please let it rain. Like, you know, how it's like, I need, I need your help again. Please let it rain. And right. He's told this guy, there is a sound of an abundance of rain. And then what is really happening?
0: Then there's nothing. So he sends up his little servant to go up and he says, go up. In 43, this is just like the other story. You had this great miracle and then all of a sudden a disaster, right? And you have this great miracle on the mountain and all of a sudden. I just love like, it. He's like
1: on the ground. He's like, bleeding. And
0: he's not looking. He says, go, go up and look and see if there's <laughs> anything up there. And he goes up to see if there's any clouds or, or anything. And he goes up and he's nothing. And he comes back and he's like, sorry. And he's like, go up again. He comes back. and He's like, nothing. I'll check one more time. Check the weather app <laughs> or whatever, nothing. And he goes up seven times. And on the seventh time he goes up, and in verse 44, it says, on the seventh time, he says, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And then he says, go up, say to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. He's like, that's enough, right? All I needed is just that little cloud. And and I think that's, that, that's really sweet to have those stories back to back with each other that... The Lord showed up in the first story in a thunderbolt, you know, that comes down from heaven. But Elijah also sees him in this little cloud. And it's this little evidence, you know, that like, and I love that it's shaped like a man's hand. You know, it's like, I can see the hand of the Lord up there in that little cloud. And, and by this, I know, you know, earlier it was by this, I know. And now it's by this little cloud. I know that the Lord is going to fulfill his his yeah. promise is a little hint of that to him.
1: So it's so interesting when we get to 19, because Ahab goes down and he tells Jezebel everything Elijah had done, which in my mind, I read chapter 18 and I'm like, oh, he's for sure a prophet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, he stopped the rain. He he The fire came down, you know, like I, in my mind, I think Ahab should be like, okay, I think Elijah's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And when he tells Jezebel everything, Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah and says, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time. Right. She's like, I'm going to kill you. That's what she tells him. And he, and when he saw that, it tells us in verse three, he arose and ran for his life. Okay. He just takes off running. It's like, Elijah is like, what more can I do? I, I brought the rain Fire came down from heaven. Like, I, I, I've used all my best tricks.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm like, I'm out. I don't have anything left. And it tells us in verse four he ran a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. He said, It is enough now, O Lord, just take away my life. And he's just laying under this juniper tree. And I just think to myself, have you ever had one of those juniper tree moments where you're like, I I feel like I have done everything I could do. I've worked with the Lord. I've done yeah. my best effort and I've no one seen is appreciating yeah. it. And I, I just don't think I have anything left to give her. I'm done. Right. I'm done. And I think about those juniper tree moments <laughs> and he finally falls asleep under that juniper tree. And then. An angel touches him and says to him, Arise and eat. And he looks and behold, there is a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, which I just love. We've talked about um, so far two heroes, right? The widow of Zarephath. We love her. Then we talked about Elijah calling down the fire. Now we're about to meet our third hero, who is this angel who shows up. And who loves that? He's like, what should I do? I think I, will, I think I will make him a cake. That is my favorite part. And I'm, I'm talking about the cake with frosting and sprinkles, right? In my mind, I just am like, here, let me just spoil you for a second.
0: And none of y'all look up the Hebrew and ruin it for us and yeah. say it's actually a little Biscuit. pita or whatever. Yeah. Like, we don't care. It, it it's right. a cake. It's and a cake. And sprinkles.
1: <laughs> on it. And also, it wasn't water. It was milk. That was just a... Um,
0: Skim milk. Yeah, no. I know. I'm just saying water (laughs)
1: was good milk. And, um, so, and I love that he's like just baking this cake. He's just there. He's baking this cake. And, and it tells us in verse six, he did eat and drink. And then he laid down again and fell back asleep. And here is the cutest part of the angel in verse seven. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for you. And I just love the thought of that. I love that actually, sometimes the journey is too great. I love that the Lord didn't say to Elijah, buck up little camper. I called you as the prophet and you bring down fire sometimes and you make little clouds come. And now I have something else for you to do today. What are you doing under the juniper tree? I love that he's like, could you just go down and make Elijah... A cake. Yeah. That is what he needs right now. And I love that the angel doesn't say to him, your life is not that bad. Yeah. You're doing fine. You've done everything exactly how you're supposed to. I love that he's like, you know what? Actually, the journey is too great for you. That is true. Like you are at a really hard part right now. And I love that he's just like, let me just acknowledge that this is a bad spot. And let me just eat cake with you right now. Does it make you think to yourself, like, who should I drop cake off to yeah, today? for sure. That you just want to be like, I see this is hard. And I just want to acknowledge that it's hard. You might be the bishop. You might be the early study president. You might be the mom of six kids. You might be the president of your, the CEO of your company. You might be whatever. But everybody has a bad day. You know, everybody just has that. I don't, I didn't, I don't want to do this anymore i'm not good at this anymore i've done i used all my tricks out of my basket mm-hmm. i don't want to do it and i love that the angel's like here let me just make you a cake and, um, and
0: and it's awesome and i don't think i've noticed this until right now that he eats it and then he wakes up and he's brought seconds yes you know yeah and he feeds so him again. again right that's yeah. just don't you want to believe in a god who brings seconds yeah <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: and cake yeah. and it's also like go ahead and take a nap Right. what okay. you
0: need is a cake
1: and a nap
0: in seconds yes. and then
1: and, and just you someone can start to sit your journey by you again. and be like you're right this part is hard yeah um i love those angels like the angel is the hero mm-hmm. in this moment that he just stops for a second and he's like here let me be, let me just give you a little pause in what is a really hard time right now and um we we love the idea of this. Sometimes a hero is the person who brings you strength when the journey is too great. And who needs that hero today? Like, what if all of us dropped off a cupcake at someone's porch today? Yeah. Do you know how many cupcakes that would be of just a little note that is like, I see you and I love you and I will sit with you in this. And, and when you're ready, I will be here with you to do the next to journey part.
0: forward. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um,
0: Courtney's going to be so happy about yeah, this.
1: Yeah. this <laughs> yeah. so our Courtney, Courtney, this is your you best lesson. You drop off cakes everywhere. All those cakes in your freezer, Courtney. No, drop
0: them off. She, listen, she's the angel. She she's the cake the angel.
1: angel. <laughs> um, so then what happens is he gets up and he went in the strength of what that angel gave him 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. And he gets there and he finds a cave and he lodges there. And finally, the Lord says to him, Elijah, what are you doing? He says in verse nine. And I love when Elijah says, listen, <laughs> this is what is happening. I have thrown down altars. I've slain the prophets. I even, I only am left. And now they, they're going to kill me. The people who have killed the prophets, the people, I did all these things. And now they're going to kill me. That is what's going to happen. And I'm doing all my best work. And And the Lord says, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And so he goes, he gets up there and he stands. And I love this part of the story because what happens is the Lord passes by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake came but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice is gonna show up. And this is gonna be our last hero, is the spirit is gonna show up, right? Here you have Elijah. I mean, you watch all the things. He's met the widow. He raised her son. He met the 450 prophets. He called down fire. He runs into the juniper tree. The angel comes and strengthens him and now the last person who's going to show up in the story is the spirit, the last hero. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and he stood in the entering of the cave and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What are you doing, Elijah? And he says again, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and killed the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. Remember how many times he's been saying that now it's it started with the 450 prophets when he turned to the people and he was like, I, even I only remain a prophet. There's I'm the only one who is doing this. Hmm. And, um, I even I only am left, and they want to take my life. And the Lord says to him, "Go, go back." He tells him. And do you think that's what Elijah wants to hear right now? Is go back. Um, and I love that he's like, "This is your job. This is what I need you to do right now. This is where you're going." And and he tells him his job. He tells him the next thing that is his responsibility. But I love that on the heels of the assignment, he says to him, "Oh, and also." Anoint, um, go get Elisha. Um, you shall anoint him to be a prophet in thy room. And don't you love that the Lord is like, here, let me give you a friend. Like I still have work for you and things are still going to be hard. But what if I give you, since you keep telling me, I, even I only am left. How about I give you a friend? Hmm. Um, So that you don't have to feel like you're doing this alone. And I love the thought of that, um, that he gets up and he goes and the courage comes because of the whisperings of the spirit, but also because um, a friend, a friend is waiting and maybe Elisha is our fifth uh, surprise hero waiting in the wings at the end of this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's cool that, you know, you read this and Mount Hora, by the way, is Mount Sinai Mm. where Moses was. and, and on that occasion, the Lord was in the fire. And on that occasion, he was in the earthquake, yeah. you know, for Moses. And and it's almost as if like he's teaching this really cool lesson to him. It's like, sometimes I am in the fire. Sometimes I'm in the earthquake. But sometimes I'm in the little cloud and the little cake and the little voice Yeah, you know, and the little friend, yes. <laughs> you know, who you're going to have. And you're not alone. You keep yeah. saying you're alone, but but you're not. So that line that the Spirit says to him, go forth and stand. Like, mm-hmm. go forth and stand there and watch for where he is. Is he coming in this way or in, in yeah, that way? The little but,
1: cloud, the fire from heaven, the little cake.
0: Yeah, but whichever, however it comes, I am with you. And because I'm with you, you can go forth, you know, and you can stand. Don't. You don't have to have your head between your legs. You don't have to be like crouched down under, under the tree. I, I'm with you. And I'm going to send whatever it is that you need mm. to do that. And I, I peeked and I saw in your margins, that line that you wrote in there that I don't have to shout, which is so yes. awesome. Um, yeah,
1: because he was right. What is that line? It is so good. Yeah.
0: Where
1: I just saw it right before you it? closed first
0: Kings 19. It. Cause um, it's so awesome. Yeah. And
1: it is so good. Um, he says this Um, right up here oh i don't have to shout i'm so close i can whisper to you and you do love the thought of that that he's just it reminds us of our cute elaine dalton who we love that what a gift it is that we have a member of the godhead within whispering distance at all times
0: yeah never alone
1: yeah it's so good
0: okay y'all see you next week This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at Don't Miss This and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.